This is the On Blast Podcast NFL Picks Edition. My name is Sheldon Alexander, joined once again by my guy, Mr. Matt Russell. We're fresh off Thanksgiving weekend. How are you doing, my friend? How you feeling? I'm good, man. That was a doozy. I'm not going to lie to you. It felt like about a million years ago that Detroit played Buffalo, and we almost caught a plus, what, 350 money line? On the Lions, that felt like it was a thing that could have happened. Uh, should have happened. It should have, I was going to say, should have maybe happened there. Dan Campbell jams us up, which, you know, when it comes to incompetent coaching, time management, timeouts, et cetera, et cetera, we had a nice little bookend to the weekend, right, where it starts with Dan Campbell messing with us a little bit, mm-hmm. and then Jeff Saturday swoops in on Monday night and, uh, you know, makes things all better, I guess. <laughs> Yes, I guess depending on which way you're looking at it, which side you're on, indeed. Uh, Thanks again for joining us and helping me out and helping us, the listeners, out as well as we try to do each and every week on this pod. It's week 13 in the NFL. And for those of you who might not be familiar with what we're doing here on this pod, first off, it's week 13, as I mentioned. Where have you been for the past 13 weeks? Because we've been here cashing checks, just letting you know that for sure. But For people that might not be familiar, my name is Sheldon Alexander, and what we do is I'll come out here, I'll put out the line, I'll say which side I'm leaning on, I'll give you my pick, and then Matt comes on with the actual information and education that you need to figure out which side you're going to be on come kickoff time. And we've had a pretty good season so far. Last week, I need to make a note of this. Last week, the record, Sheldon says, 9-6-1, and but the key here a four and one record in terms of the games in which I switched because of the information given to me on this pod. And this is the reason why we do the show. This is the reason I represent what the listeners are, right? You're trying to find information and it's a lot more than just I'm taking this team or Matt says I'm taking this team. It's like, we listen, we have a conversation, we go back and forth and you come out on the other end with hopefully a more informed decision. Is it always going to lead to wins? Who knows? But so far, we're proven that it's going to turn into more wins than losses. Well, looking at your record, right? What's that? 57, 58, something along those lines, percent mm-hmm. of the time. Like, that is outrageously good. Um, it's funny because I compare it to mine, and you and I don't necessarily always have the same picks by the time we get through this, right? Sometimes you switch, and sometimes you don't. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at my season-long record, 102-73-5, and five, which is really obviously just a four sort of half game difference because you are making these picks off of Wednesday lines. I, as a better, can you know kind of pick and choose. I can jump in when I get a half point here or half point there. I can line shop, which of course is the most important thing when it comes to being a better. And mm-hmm. so I've turned sort of four you know extra pushes, if you will, into victories. And again, obviously sometimes you've won and sometimes I've won in the games that we've gone head to head. But it's just really interesting to see when I look at it, you're like 73 losses. I was like, yeah, I got 73 losses down <laughs> here too. And like, I'll take it, man. Like 58, 59% in that department. And honestly, contest stuff and uh, better bets, if you will, have done even better than that this season. So uh, we're rolling along nicely. But it's weird to look at week 13 and be like, 
yeah, there's a full third of the season left, right? With the 18 week season, like week yeah. 13 means there are six more weeks of this, right? Yeah. This is a groundhog shadow type situation here. We got six more weeks of the NFL season and it certainly doesn't really feel like that, but here we are. And I feel like I, I'm just avoiding the blow up week, just trying to keep the train moving, stay at a pretty solid number each and every week. And we've been doing that so far. And hopefully the people that have been along with us for the ride understand exactly what we're trying to do here. Let's just have a conversation about bets being made a little bit more than just, hey, I'm on this team because blank. Because, yeah, I mean, as we get to our Thursday night football game, for example, you got the Bills at the Patriots. Bills are favored by three and a half points. And I'm going to be on said Buffalo Bills. But the reasons behind that, I want to talk a little bit about this, okay? Because the Pats offense actually showed up in Minnesota. And I was kind of surprised by that. Wasn't really sure. But they didn't really have many answers for your man's Kirk Cousins in prime time. He's out here balling Justin Jefferson. Nobody can stop him. But it makes me wonder what, is Josh Allen and company going to be able to do against the Patriots as well? This would normally be a line in which I sit here and say, hey, I'm on the Patriots. Patriots at home. Give me all the points. Belichick as a home dog. All that stuff. But I'm going to be honest with you. This Patriots team this year, I'm really confused by this team. And I thought that was last year's Patriots team. <laughs> and now here we are a year later, and I'm saying the same things and even more confused. So I don't know what to make of this line at all. Give me the Bills just because the Bills offense rolling. I don't know what to make of Mac Jones's offense. So I, I, I'm more confused about this line than I am necessarily about the game. And obviously those two things kind of go hand in hand. But okay, let's put it this way, right? Market numbers should be somewhere in between five and five and a half. And that sort of matches up with my personal ratings. I would have it actually closer to five and a half because I'm not buying into what the Patriots are selling. I wasn't buying into what they were selling last week when somehow we got Vikings minus two and a half. Now that game got really scary because it became pretty clear that the Vikings defense is really bad and have been sort of flying under the radar in the sort of hideous defense category of this season. So if like Mac Jones can walk you down the field, like that's a pretty significant problem. And a lot of that has to do with secondary injuries, but a lot of that has to do with schematics and not being able to actually pressure the quarterback the way that they expected that they were going to be able to do when they took, you know, Zadarius Smith away from Green Bay, et cetera, et cetera. So, that being said, you know, yes, they didn't have an answer for Kirk Cousins, but, you know, I wrote about this last week because Minnesota minus two and a half was one of my sort of best bets from a favorite standpoint. Obviously not in the round robin underdog money line parlay because they weren't underdogs. <laughs> but I wrote about this. I was like, look at the quarterbacks that the Patriots have beaten this year, right? And like, which one of these guys is actually going to be starting in week 13? Because it's not Jacoby Brissett. It's not Zach Wilson twice. And the only answer, the only one who actually is starting in week 13 is Jared bleeping Goff, right? So yeah, like Kirk Cousins isn't great and the whole primetime Kirk Cousins and, you know, he throws an interception and everybody rolls their eyes because God forbid a quarterback throws an interception. And then... But even still, Cousins is better than all of those guys. <laughs> like he's not top level tier here. Josh Allen is. Now I understand the idea, okay, we should probably keep knocking the rating here for the Bills down because it hasn't really been all that impressive in the last few weeks. Like, you know, they effectively blew out the, the Browns, but I don't know that, that that performance was necessarily all that uh, impressive. 
I just think we've kind of gone a little too far worrying about the Bills and also kind of expecting big things because this isn't a short week, right? This isn't Belichick on a short week. Like, what's he going to do? I look back at last year, and they played three games against one another. The Bills won two of them, both games absolute house jobs when there wasn't complete and utter chaos when it came to the weather, right? You'll recall the one loss that the Bills had was in that weird mega windy day in Buffalo. Yeah. I'm looking at the forecast. I don't see like absolute disaster. And by the way, even if it was, I think they probably learned from that situation, right? Where they would actually throw the ball with Josh Allen and they, you know, they would actually expect the Patriots to not throw the football. As you'll recall, Mac Jones didn't throw the ball basically at all in that game. And so it's kind of weird that this opened at five and went to four and a half and then down even, you know, four and then three and a half. And it's all just like, who what are people seeing in all of this right and like yeah von miller is out you know for this game and so i guess you take a little off of their rating because of that but we would already been kind of knocking the rate the bills rating down because you and i've talked about it early on in the season the bills had like kind of blown through the artificial ceiling of 80 out of 100 just kind of the peak that we would want to kind of have a team that isn't sort of historically great right because when you're up over 80 that means like undefeated season 16 and one type of a season and obviously that's not going to be the case here with the bills so i'm just going to kind of sit and wait and go like am i going to get three with the bills because that's where it's trending right now and it's not like my numbers or sort of any numbers that i can kind of mess around with here indicate that it should go down to three so that's one of these deals where i guess the patriots are just going to take money every week and we're going to have to fade them and you know sometimes it's going to work out like it did last week and sometimes it's not i guess i don't know we're gonna have to see here but yeah like i'll play the bills here at minus three and a half and hopefully get minus three yeah, and that's the thing that was super weird. You mentioned Patriots living off the reputation. Last week's line, we kind of looked at it, didn't really think that made sense, and here we are again doing the same thing. But I definitely think there'll still be a lot of people here trying to hammer the Patriots at home just off that reputation. So be super interesting to see how that game plays out for sure. Some big boy matchups on Sunday, though. Really good First, games. First, yeah, really good games. We've got the Dolphins at the Niners. Niners is four-point favorites at home. People that follow us here know I'm a Niners guy, but know my love-hate relationship with betting on the team, but more so betting on Jimmy Garoppolo. I thought the Niners lines the last few weeks have been super inflated, and I know they covered last week against the Saints. But Andy Dalton and the Saints did everything in their power to not cover that. I wanted to ask you, like, what you thought of that game as a 49ers fan? Because I thought I was on crazy pills watching that game. (laughs) So, as a 49ers fan, are you just like watching that going, like, yeah, the defense is awesome? Or are you looking at it going, I don't know how we got out of here? Not just with the shutout. Obviously, if they had broken the shutout, we would have probably covered that game because, you know, I was on uh, Saints. I had some Saints plus 10 that it's just like somebody kicked me a field goal at some point. Will Lutz uh, adding to my field goal kicker frustrations last week. Yeah. Like you're and and it's funny because we talked about this line last week as the look ahead line being four and a half. Mm -hmm. And you sort of said, yeah, I think like a field goal kind of at the most here for the 49ers. It's kind of ticked down to three and a half and is now back up to four. And I think that's just sort of, you know, this type of game where I think big money is coming in on both sides. It's kind of a fun game from that standpoint. I don't think there's sort of a, you know, people like to use the term like sharp square kind of matchup here Mm -hmm. where all the money's on one side and, you know, all the tickets are on the other. I just think this is a, you'd like either team here or, or you can make a case here for either team. For me, I still have this, 
I still have this under four. So, it, you know, when it was three and a half, it was like, okay, that makes sense to me. So as long as there's fours available, I'm going to take the the, the dolphins here, right? I yeah. think I, I just look at it and I go, there's some, I'm concerned a little bit with the 49ers offense because it, it looks in theory, like you look at all the players involved and you're like, oh, this team's like got to be really good. But like 20 against the Chargers, a team that they should have had way more points off of just based on like the Chargers inability to run the football or stop the run, I should say, and the 49ers ability to run the football. And then obviously just 13, which by the way, the one touchdown comes off of Ty Tyron Matthew, who's just having a rough season when it comes to like not making tackles and not totally breaking up plays. And mm -hmm. the one touchdown comes off of a deflection at the end of the half. I mean, listen, that ball gets deflected in a different direction and somebody swoops in for an interception. Now we're looking at like a six, nothing type football game throughout. And if the saints could convert in any way, shape or form. And by the way, if it was six, nothing or even nine to nothing, you might've had more field goal opportunities there, but because it was 13 to nothing, the, they're going the, for touchdowns. They kept having to go for touchdowns. Like it was entirely a game script based cover for the 49ers. And so I can see why off of that win here, they're getting downgraded a little bit because they're gone. They've gone from four and a half down to four. Now, maybe that's in part because the dolphins are getting upgraded. They got a pretty big boost after destroying the Browns. And I don't know that you can give them that much of a boost for hammering this horrific Texans team at this yeah. point. So I think it has a little bit more to do with like, maybe we might be a little bit sour again, just a touch. We're not upgrading them for shutouts, which normally you're going to get an upgrade for. There might be a little bit of a downgrade here in the market for the 49ers as this moves from four and a half to four. And yeah, my thing with the 49ers have said from, from the get-go when the Christian McCaffrey trade happened, which I didn't really like, but all of the above just keeps pointing back to Jimmy Garoppolo and you're limited in terms of how high your ceiling is on offense because he's your quarterback. So you can have all these weapons, you can have all these great plays in theory or this great system and all right. that, but like Christian McCaffrey, there's a couple of times he's wide open in the red zone and Garoppolo just misses him. Right. And like yeah. that, as long as those things continue, continue to pile up, I'm going to feel the same way when I'm looking at these lines. Like I can't lay nine points with Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> right. So like now we're here and it's four and you know, last week I said, yeah, I'd be on anything above a touch above a field goal. I'd be on Miami. Here we are at four. I'm on Miami plus four. It's kind of simple. I mean, there's not much more complicated for me on that one here um sounds like we're both in the same page there so we'll see how that one plays out but this will be a great game and i i, I just want to see can the niners offense keep up with what i think the dolphins offense will do and we didn't really talk about it but we know there'll be the mainstream media talk how many times will you hear about oh these two coaches know each other did you know yeah. that mike mcdaniel's used to be the the qb coach in san francisco and blah 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 like, yeah, well, yeah. and and worth mentioning here right so for the last 3 games mm -hmm. obviously the 49ers have played each week and they had a couple of you know relatively important games along the line here the dolphins are coming off of didn't need their offense in the fourth quarter against the Browns by week. And then like, I guess you prepare for the Texans, but like, do you really? And they and, almost blew that cover last week against well, the Texans because they sat everyone in the third quarter. <laughs> Which, you know, speaking of side notes, right? Like I had Tua under 290 uh, passing yards in our uh, prop bets of the week. Based on the idea, I'm like, he's not going to play in the mm -hmm. final quarter, maybe in the final like third of the game. But the Texans are so bad 
that he got all of the yards in the first <laughs> half, basically. That I was like, I nailed this. Who, who? I mean, honestly, if I could bet things like Tua won't finish the game or Tua will, you know, not be needed or whatever. And I guess in theory, like pass attempts would have been the better play. But like, my God. But the yeah. point is, overall, is like if you're Mike McDaniel and you're looking at this going like, okay, you got the Browns. And that was three full weeks ago now, right? But when you're on your bye week and you've got the Texans coming up, and then you've got your former team coming up up after that. One, who are you preparing for in that bye week? <laughs> and two, what plays are you using against Houston that you would ever use against San Francisco? Right? Like you are holding back everything oh, yeah. in those games, right? And so just for honestly, from a, a red zone conversion standpoint. You know, the 49ers get all this credit for having shutout teams in the second half, but it's Colt McCoy, it's a dead Rams team, it's that no offensive weapons Chargers group on that Sunday night game where the Chargers are still moving the football decently in that game. And then, of course, the Saints and Andy Dalton and their red zone offense, which was, you know, a bit of a horror show, obviously, as well. So, I just look at it and I go like, man, they, this is kind of more Super Bowl-y for Mike McDaniel than it is for San Francisco, right? And yeah, they both know each other, but like Miami's the team that's had a couple of weeks of preparation, right? We see this all the time in college football. We just saw it with Michigan and Ohio State where neither team played anybody all season long. Mm -hmm. And they've basically been pre preparing for each other for eight months. <laughs> and the better coach ends up winning because yeah. – that's Jim Harbaugh happened. is a yeah, that's what happened. Jim Harbaugh is a better coach than Ryan Day, right? In this case, it's less about one coach being better than the other. And listen, we've had our complaints about Kyle Shanahan, so let's not say that he's necessarily a better coach than Mike McDaniel. But it's more just like, oh yeah, you have three weeks of preparation for this one game that you really, really want to win. Meanwhile, San Francisco's got other fish to fry here along the way, and so and they've done it. They've fried that fish. Don't get me wrong, but you're giving me four points with the team that's got the preparation advantage here. I'll yeah. take the Dolphins. And is there someone who's going to know what Jimmy Garoppolo's limitations are? Sure. Yeah. It's going to be Mike McDaniel. He's been in the meeting that has said, you know, we can't throw outs with Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo. Everything has to be over the middle. We need slants, right? We need, we need deep in routes, all of that yeah. kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. totally. Oh, geez. I'm already rattled. Um, so let's keep things moving here. <laughs> Jets at the Vikings. Vikings at home is three-point favorites. The Mike White era has officially begun. Wait, did we do that already? That was the thing we did already, right? Like yeah. we did that last year, I think. <laughs> Anyways, he balled out. Balled out last week. But that was against the Bears. Yeah. I mean, can he string together a couple of starts? I want to see that. That'll be interesting. I know he was banged up last year. That part didn't really get talked about as much as maybe it should have. Sure. But either way, at three points with this Vikings team at home, I'm I'm leaning on the Vikings. I'm going to be on the Vikings, but it's more so because I'm okay with if this pushes. If this was at three and a half, I'd be way more likely to be on the Jets in this situation. But overall, I want to see more from Mike White, how he's going to do in another week with this Jets team. And plus, now you're going on the road in Minnesota. It's a tough place to be at for a young buck quarterback in the NFL. So give me the Vikings. I'll lay the three points at home. You know, you're right. And like I would have said that about the home field advantage element with the Vikings. I'm going to have to start knocking them down from a home field advantage standpoint. We've mm -hmm. talked about it a bunch of times, right? How many yeah. times do the Bears, the Lions, the Patriots, all of these teams kind of come in there and like, it's not, not really team. a bother. <laughs> it doesn't seem to be bothersome in any way, shape, or form. And it's funny, the impressive thing about Mike White last week, beyond the idea that, okay, he's just coming in, 
he's the dude who just sort of is settled down. He's just going to, you know, snap, read, throw, like find your guys. You have plenty of weapons on that team, especially from a wide receiver and receiving standpoint, right? The offense actually has some flow to it when Zach Wilson isn't taking the ball, snapping, panicking, and then running around, AKA using his athleticism to like get out of the pocket, which by the way, like you don't have to. I'm the biggest advocate and have been for the longest time for athletic quarterbacks, the danger of the run, all of that sort of thing. But like, not when it comes to Zach Wilson. And so Mike White comes in and the most impressive part was it was pretty brutal conditions in that game last week, right? Like rain and it was just total mass. Well, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about that, about that game when we get to the, to the bears element, but I was really impressed and the problem here is we, I think we have a pretty good uh, understanding of the Vikings rating, but we don't really know what the Jets are with Mike White yeah. from a rating standpoint. We know we had a pretty good, we had a pretty solid idea of what they were with Zach uh, Wilson. And we talked about this last week, how when Zach Wilson got benched, we were like, okay, we have to move the Jets rating up with like sight unseen on Mike White, or at least haven't seen him since last year type of a thing. But he can't be worse than Zach Wilson. But he can't be worse than Zach Wilson. <laughs> so we so we take it and we go, okay, we're going to move, you know, the, we go Jets 39 out of 100 with Zach Wilson, all and only, only as high as that because of their defense. And so, okay, well, what are we going to do with Zach White? And you use the market to the in, you know, point spread and whatnot. And you go, okay, I guess we're up to 44, 45 when it comes to the Jets. Well, and then they absolutely truck the Bears, especially in the second half. And so you go, okay, well, we got to upgrade them somehow. So all that is to say, like, based on the market rating going into that game last week, the Vikings should be probably closer to four-point favorites in this game. But if Mike White now indoors against a defense that, by the way, is not particularly that much better than the Bears' defense, right? Again, we just watched Mac Jones, who up until last week looked like he couldn't do anything against, by the way, the Jets the previous two out of three weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, I just look at this and I go, like, maybe the Jets are actually really good in the way that, you know, again, it's never going to be the same thing as 2001 Ravens with Trent Dilfer or this team with this sort of, you know, Broncos Peyton Manning at the end there where he's just kind of getting it around. But, like, they might be better than average. Yeah. Definitely. Right. And, and if they're and if they're better than average, like we've already established that the Vikings are kind of just slightly above average. The wins and losses obviously don't, you know, are, are very sort of flattering to them. But if that's the case, then three is a really valuable number here. And I'm seeing right now that like you can't get a minus 110 on plus three on the Jets, which indicates to me I'm not I'm less worried about it going to three and a half and waiting to see if I could get three and a half, which I kind of thought early in the week I might be able to because you see so many people liking the Vikings, all the sort of, you know, ticket counts and all of that kind of nonsense, like in in the favor of the Vikings. Obviously, they won in prime time. We're still not totally sold on the Jets, I suppose, or Mike White. But I just look at it and go like, okay, am I going to even get minus 110 on plus three with the Jets? I'm way in on the Jets in this game. I think they can win this game outright. I mean, obviously, it's a three-point underdog. It's not wouldn't be insane for them to uh, to do so. But, you know, I'm not going to ever feel sort of bad about Zach Wilson. No, I'm no fan of his. But <laughs> it is kind of funny that they brought Mike White in, like, to go against the Bears defense, to go against the Vikings defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm taking a quick scan. They do have the Bills next week, so maybe that's when things go awry here for Mike White. But when you're giving me three points with a team that I think, honestly, think about it this way. If we have them rated the way we did last week at sort of 44 and we've kind of bumped them up a little bit, what's more likely that they go down 
or that they go up. Like it kind of yeah. feels more likely that they go up in our mind, mm -hmm. at, you know, going forward with Mike White based off of last week. So if I think that there's only one way that they can go and that's up, before I even get to the Vikings where I kind of, the only way we think we, they might go is down. Like, I think I have to play, you know, and I shouldn't say I have to, but like I'm happily going to play a bet here plus three on the jets. And again, I just hope I can get minus minus one ten again, because I kind of thought I might get plus three and a half. And it doesn't seem like that's a, a thing that's going to happen in our, I, I, this week anyway. Yeah. This is one of the perfect games where it's a reminder of us talking about lines on Wednesday and then the, the viewer having the benefit of seeing where the line ends up by kickoff and understanding what those line movements mean and understanding where we're coming at from the sides of how we're viewing these games. Right. Does that, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, by the time somebody listens to this, honestly, we might be two and a half across the board and okay. you know, honestly, we haven't had, we, I shouldn't say we haven't had that because we had it literally three days ago. But I was going to say the last time we had that was Pittsburgh and Indy, right. Where that started mm -hmm. at three and everybody kind of thought that was okay, but no, like we all yeah. came in on the Steelers and moved that down to two and a half and it stayed there the rest of the week. And then we all saw what happened in that game. Um, <laughs> right. I'm excited to see what happens in the next game we're going to discuss. And I think you know where I'm going because it's my Chiefs. Mm. <laughs> and when I say my Chiefs, I say that jokingly because the running bit is I just like laying points with the Chiefs. And I got to be honest with you, when I see the Chiefs laying less than a field goal, I'm more than inclined to take the Chiefs. The Bengals, though, are a team that did make me pause here because they are looking primed to make it back and make another run like they did last season. And it's so interesting how the feelings can change about a Bengals team when early on it was kind of like, oh, what's like, this doesn't look like that team that made the conference champ or made the super bowl last year yeah. doesn't look like that team at all Almost and then all people it. are talking about oh well they got some lucky wins and you know some bounces went their way in the playoffs and now all of a sudden no we're talking about are they one of the better teams in the afc so this is crazy to me this will be a great game maybe the best game on of the weekend chase is supposed to come back for the Bengals, which is a huge thing but I'm on the Chiefs just because, as I said, basic principle, laying less than a field goal. I like being in that spot with the Chiefs. Plus, I feel like this is one of those games where they bring out their trick plays. They bring out the A++ plays that they definitely did not bring out last week against the Rams. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> They sort of shut that, that game down very early. So I'll, I'll be on the Chiefs this week. Give me the Chiefs laying two points in Cincinnati. Yeah, this number is exactly where it's supposed to be here, especially given the Bengals are going to get a little bit of a boost from Chase and in theory, you know, potentially Joe Mixon coming back. Mm -hmm. uh, impressive victory, I suppose, against the Titans last week. So again, whether you win or lose against the Titans, like it all just kind of feels confusing, right? Like nothing, <laughs> you're like, yeah, I guess that was impressive. It's like they did only score like 20 points. And you're like, and then the first half was kind of rough, but um I don't, you know, I don't really have anything for this game as far as like, oh man, we have to take the Bengals here. It's this weird situation that there's a revenge element in this game, right? But it doesn't feel like the Chiefs should all ever have revenge on their mind against anyone because like they so rarely lose, especially consecutive games to anyone, right? And they lost right. twice to the Bengals last year, obviously in you know both locations, obviously once in the AFC Championship game. So you so the way I look at it, I go, 
okay, like, yeah, all right, I should be sort of attracted in theory to like a Chiefs bet here, especially under a field goal as, you know, for all the reasons that you just mentioned. But this is the NFL. We talk about it in some of the, sometimes it takes it, it needs to be really, really obvious to us, or we need to sort of find a fault in a team that allows us to believe in it. But like sometimes this just, just does come down to matchups. And maybe the Bengals just have it pretty good against Kansas City. Like maybe they are the team, right? Because it's certainly not anybody in the AFC West. It doesn't seem like it's literally anybody else that the Chiefs kind of ever play. Maybe the Bengals are that team because maybe, you know, because Joe Burrow is unbothered by the fact that he gets pressure basically in every game. Maybe the, there's just enough going on from an offensive play calling standpoint that they're able to do pretty well. And maybe defensively, we've seen the adjustments that get made at halftime against the Chiefs in both games. Last year, towards the end of the year in, uh, I was going to call it Riverfront Stadium because I'm old, um, in Cincinnati, uh, you know, there's a, Chiefs were convincing in the first half. Then they go halftime, a couple adjustments get made, and the Chiefs can barely move the football, and, can, and Cincinnati comes back and wins the game. And, like, the Chiefs had that under control largely in that game in the AFC Championship as well. So, like, if I was willing to sort of say that, like, Andy Reid is kind of getting snookered here by at least the defensive coordinator on the uh, on the Bengals, uh, whose name escapes me at this moment. It's like a Ram Manu or something like that. Um, <laughs> if it, Like, maybe this is that team, right? Maybe this is that team. And I think this is kind of a more interesting game to watch because of all of those reasons, and especially since we might see this rematch in the playoffs, than it is to necessarily bet on. If I was getting three points, which again, another situation, right? It opens two and a half, and we go, oh, is, are, is, the, public, is the public coming in here to bet on Kansas City and moves this thing up, thing up to three? I think it's kind of interesting that they're not, or that they haven't, or that sportsbooks haven't needed to move this to three in any way, shape, or form. So, yeah, if I had to right now, I'd probably say, you know what? Maybe I think I run with this idea that maybe Cincinnati has a, has a decent enough plan here to slow the Chiefs. Again, first matchup without even Tyreek Hill, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, like maybe it's maybe it is Cincinnati here. That would be my lean, I think. Yeah, and that's the interesting part, right? You mentioned without Tyreek Hill, and the funny thing was, if you remember the championship game, the Chiefs got out to the lead, to a pretty decent lead, and then. Yeah. They just didn't have the discipline to just dink and dunk the rest of the game. Mahomes kept wanting to take right. these shots. They couldn't do anything on offense. And as you mentioned, your man's Lou Anarumo. Right? Thank we'll you. We'll go with Not Lou. Easier. Sweet Lou. <laughs> Sweet Lou we'll go with. <laughs> yeah. I, butcher, I, uh, I, I Honestly, I don't blame myself. And I could be mispronouncing that too, by the way. Right? I would For say sure. you probably are. That wasn't a confident. 1,000%. I was not confident this. with that at all. <laughs> But the point remains, this was a great matchup, another big boy matchup. And with the two-point spread, that part is very, very, very interesting to me as well. And the lesson here, one of the things we talk about is a difference in understanding um, it's not blindly, and even though I'm saying this about the Chiefs, it's not blindly just taking the team. It's mm -hmm. like, if this line was a little more the other way, you'd have me on the Bengals. On the Bengals. Right. So it's like it's it's very interesting how the Joe public gambler works right. and how we're trying to mix in some actual, you know, 
And I have enough fear more. of the Chiefs, by the way, to not tease this. Because normally when we go, okay, there's a two-point line here, like the immediate you know, radar mm-hmm. of teaser goes off, right? But like, there's enough of a fear of the Chiefs where it's like, yeah, they could win this game by 10 points. It's a high total <laughs> game. It could go yeah. back and forth, right? Like, I don't really want anything to do with that. And so even though I would lean Bengals in this situation, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not looking to take the eight here. At minus yeah. 270, 275. Like if the Chiefs just dropped 40 on any team, I don't think we'd ever be surprised, right? And honestly, um, that game that you, you know you mentioned the AFC Championship game and the dink and dunk element, like you could make the case that's what sort of led to this transformation of the the Chiefs offense being like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not gonna work when even just it's almost like taking away the candy, right? Like Tyreek Hill is there to go deep. And it's like, no, you can't do it. So uh, we can't we can't even manage it ourselves. We have to remove Hill from the equation altogether in order to do this correctly. We can't just change our offense with him still there. Now, obviously, they need to free up some um, salary cap space for other things, too. So yeah. know, there's more to it than just that. But it is kind of funny that that might be the situation. Totally. The point remains, though. Point remains. Uh, we talked about 40 points being able to be put up by the Chiefs or Bengals. Not sure if the same is for this next game with the commanders and the giants i'm looking at you giants but anyways the commanders are two and a half point favorites in new york suddenly the commanders are seven and five i just stare at that for a second because that kind of came out of nowhere to me and now they're laying points as road favorites in the division i'm kind of like wait how did this happen and i know you've been talking to me the past few weeks about how you know just pay attention to what's going on here in Washington. They're not as bad as we think they are or had they been at the start of the season, especially sure. once they made the switch yeah. from your man's Carson Woods, which we don't even need to. Yeah. Anyways, but I still look at this line and I, I, I love my, I'm going to the principles. I stick to the principles. One of them is divisional games, home dogs. That's what has me leaning on the giants here. But it's not a heavy lean. I'll be honest with you. I'm not confident in taking the Giants plus two and a half in this game. So, I mean, you're going to look at this line. A lot of people are, and they're going to be like, wait, what? how are the commanders favored over the Giants? The Giants are seven and four and the commanders are what, seven and five or, you know, and have sort of snuck up to seven and five or whatever mm-hmm. the record is right now. Um, but I would sort of say to you, and I kind of thought this is where you were going, but then you went and you said, you said the commanders. I would say, like, have you been paying attention to the market uh, and how it's reflected the Giants over this last, well, all season, but certainly, like, <laughs> once they got out to whatever that was, 7-1, seven, 7-6-1 seven and and type, uh, type of record, yeah. like, the market's never liked the Giants. No. And all that's resulted in is they've lost three of their last four, and the one win they have was a wildly unimpressive victory against the Texans that I still am annoyed the Texans didn't cover a pretty big number in that game. Like good old Texans. <laughs> exactly. Lovey bleeping Smith, who again, somehow isn't the worst coach in the league, which is just an amazing thing to say out loud. Might not even be top five worst coach. I was thinking league, about is, that. I was like, no, there's a couple I'd rather have. Yeah, there's a handful yeah. of dudes out there. At any, at any rate. So this, this spread shouldn't come as a surprise to people because like the giants have never been liked in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And, Again, you leave it enough time and eventually they're going to just stop covering games. We saw that with the Atlanta Falcons as well. Remember the old days when the Falcons were 6-0 and against the spread? Oh, halcyon times, right? I don't think they've covered maybe one game since then. <laughs> so, you know, the oh, point we'll is like the that. market, the market always kind of wins out in the end. There are so many teams in the ratings that like kind of got pushed higher 
and really kind of needed to be dropped down. And some of those were like the Eagles who got pushed up really high. We just talked about the Bills, to be honest with you, who got pushed a little too high. Same thing with some of these sort of bad to mediocre teams where they get pushed a little high. All that is to say, like, I think we're kind of right there with the commanders, right? It's the commander's turn now to kind of get pushed a little further than they're supposed to be. And honestly, if Atlanta probably just hands the ball off four straight times at first and goal from the two-yard line, they probably win that game against the commanders last week. And we're looking at the commanders in a wildly different way. Like, how weird was it, by the way, the last year, last week? We had two games decided on a two-point conversion and two games that were ended on roughing the kicker penalties right tennessee was supposed to get a chance to score to tie that game they didn't get it because they were dumb enough to rough the kicker on a chip shot and then atlanta was getting the ball back even after that interception from marcus Mariota. and by the way like throwing over the middle with marcus Mariota on the two to three yard line is just about as bad of a decision as you could possibly make it's as if you don't even know your own team arthur smith and so you know, point being though, like we're that close to Falcons winning on the road and then the commanders sort of getting knocked down a notch. So maybe that just means we just have to wait a week, right? Maybe that just means this is happening this week. And I look at this matchup and like the last few years, I mean, we had the commanders in the playoffs somehow a couple of years ago. The commanders have been under Ron Rivera, even with the like cycle of quarterbacks that they've had going through, they have been the better team than the Giants. Not that hard, not that impressive necessarily, but it's a fact. It just, but these are just facts. The point though is, even though the Giants have basically always had the worst team, as long as Daniel Jones has started, the Giants are four and one outright in the in these fi- in the five matchups over the last three years. They had one where Daniel Jones last year, towards the end of the year, I think it might have been even last week of the regular season, where Daniel Jones was out and the Giants got hammered because they started your man Jake from Jake from State from, and. So I just go like, okay, if the Giants kind of have an ownership situation here of the Commanders, by the way, the one loss was a 20 to 19 game, which again, if you're backing the Giants in this situation, you'd take 20 to 19 right this second. By the way, 20 to 19, 39 total points. That's basically the total in this game. You just mentioned 40 points, you know, Chiefs on their own or or combined (laughs) total in this game. So the point is, is like, we're expecting a low scoring game. The Giants seem to always kind of have it figured out against the Commanders. The Commanders always have this good front four and and sort of defense that we think is going to like lead the way for them. And it buys them a few wins along the way. And it may buy them a victory this weekend. The point is, is like Daniel Jones with a lot less around him and sometimes without Saquon Barkley, somehow always has a pretty good game. He's averaged in the 90s in quarterback rating in games against Ron Rivera and the Commanders, right? So like... A lot of people are going to be on the Giants because they are going to look at this going like, oh, man, I can't believe they're underdogs. Like the Giants are, you know, are higher up in the standings and all of that sort of thing. So it, it sort of brings me pause because it's like, yeah, well, I guess if we're all just going to be on the Giants, we're all going to be on the Giants. But from a matchup standpoint, like this is that situation where it is maybe time to all be on the Giants as the commanders right now are at the peak of their market value. So like when we look at it like last week, remember, they got up to four and a half against the Falcons. By the way, they covered four and a half, which is how, yeah. which is why this whole deal is so annoying sometimes. So weird. Because, because how do you cover, how do you, how do you back the commanders minus four and a half and win a ticket on that game? Like it's just, yeah, again, it's not that much different than 49ers minus nine and a half minus 10 against the Saints, right? It's not always the right side that wins here. The best we can do is just kind of keep, you know, coming in on these teams. I don't think we're going to get three with the Giants. Like, 
there's just kind of no way, right? People are already kind of confused that they're even underdogs in this in this game. We're certainly not going to get three here. I think the Giants win this game outright. And with the low total, similar story to Pittsburgh and Indy, where it's going to be such a low total. Like that Pittsburgh-Indy game almost ended 17-16. That's the same type of game that you might see here, where you get that 17-16, 19-17, where those two and two to two and a half points are going to come in handy. So let's just take the points with the Giants plus two and a half and then just watch this thing burn right to the ground. <laughs> All right. Uh, from the New York Giants to Vegas, but not the Raiders. We're talking the Vegas zone mm. for the Titans at the Eagles. Eagles at home, favored by five and a half points. Uh, this is just a straight Vegas zone bet for me. I'm going to be on the Titans because my one thing here with the Eagles and watching them, they can't stop the run. Like they are struggling to stop the run. Um, they will continue to do that. And a guy that you might not want to go against if you're struggling to stop the run is Derrick Henry yeah, or even a coach in, in Mike Vrabel. I was going to say Mike McCarthy, wrong Mike, very wrong Mike. Yeah. And me, I don't know if I've ever uttered the words on this pod as long as we've been doing this. I trust Mike McCarthy. I don't know <laughs> no. if that's a thing I've ever said. Definitely. Not. Well, that would have been a funny mistake. But Mike Vrabel, knowing the, the, the game plan and setting up the game plan for this kind of what, what was my running joke? The pound the rock. My old high school coach, Mr. Lillico, straight up. The oh the my god! About it. Oh, we haven't Let's had go. a Lillico reference in a Let's long go, time. Let's go, right? Um, but yeah, I'm on the Titans here. Five and a half. I don't like it. It's a plug in my nose here and doing that. The Eagles. I'm. I'm. I think I know where you're going with this. Just tr we're trying to figure out where the Eagles actually are at because the ten and one record has us thinking one thing. But we're talking about spreads. Yeah. Eagles, six and five against the spread this season. Yeah. Just putting that out there. Mm. Just putting that out there. Good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Listen, this number should be six to six and a half. Ooh. Right? Because, well, first of all, like, do you downgrade the Eagles from their performance against the Packers? Like, no, they basically landed. Again, I don't know if the push on your record because it was minus seven last week when we talked, but it's a good example of yes. it being right. Well, it was the push, you know, mm -hmm. that was, that was six and a half before Wednesday. That was six and a half later on in the week. But on the day that you and I have that, have the conversation, it's seven. And so it lands on a push. And it's funny. I had people in, you know, asking me, you know, a lot of pools kind of got up to seven and a half as far as, you know, the line, it was like, do I go minus seven and a half on the Eagles? And I'm like, no, like That's I like, I like them six and a half to win mm -hmm. by like a full, score here but like i'm not looking to get all that excited and like sure enough things got way dicey when it oh, came to yeah. a potential backdoor jordan love situation last not a place you want to be at not not a scene that uh, i'm looking to hang out at um and so luckily enough it lands on seven so you grab you know those who are on plus seven and a half cat uh, win you know for their pool and of course bets either push or win on the eagles which again is sort of to the point of you know getting the best of the number each week mm -hmm. and so I don't think you can upgrade the Eagles for that game. The Titans lost. So I don't think you can upgrade them. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, yeah. so the line at six to six and a half, like makes a ton of sense. And that's where it opened, 
right? It opened it at six, six and a half. But from sort of a logic standpoint, and what we know about, for example, the Tennessee Titans and their ability to, to kind of just muck things up. And, you know, you can look at some of the numbers too. The past defense is getting better over the course of the three games because it's funny. We look at these teams through four, five, six, seven, eight weeks, nine, ten weeks, and we go like they're bad on, pa you know, past defense is bad. And then we just kind of like forget to check how they've been in their last three or four or five games, right? Because again, we've talked about this for on many a different episode and many a different sport, but like you're allowed to improve. And remember the yeah. old, like, I shouldn't say the old because there wasn't that long ago, but like the Patriots teams of the last decade were always kind of really bad defensively early on in the season. And it'd be like, oh my God, like they somehow kept, you know, they covered 11 against the Jags, even though this defense like is metrically terrible and like these lines are inflated because of it and blah, 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 blah. And then by the end of the season, it was like, Oh yeah, the Patriots are just shutting out the Rams in the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's like yeah, because they have coaches, they coach them up, they're deep, and they are they get better, they improve throughout the season. So it's entirely possible that the Titans, under Mike Vrabel, a former Patriot, they just get better over the course of the season. And so we we've sort of stamped them with this idea that like, oh yeah, like your past defense is bad because maybe it was really bad in the first five games, and yeah. the averages haven't you know sort of dominated right because it's only been in the last three or four or five games out of 10 to 12 to 13 games so the math hasn't kind of caught up yet but if you look at the last three or four games the titans have actually been pretty good defensively and so once you sort of factor that in and also you look at the last three or four games where the eagles haven't quite been as good you go okay like we have to really look at these two teams matched up as they are now and as they are from a personality standpoint and i think that's why a lot of people came in and were like Oh, Titans plus six, plus six and a half. Like, give me some of that. We can't, you know, they, they can't be, honestly, in a weird way, as long as, you know, it's not Malik Willis. And honestly, sometimes even if it is Malik Willis, they can't be an underdog of over a touchdown to anybody because that's just the way they play, right? They are going to find a way to keep this game close and maybe even win it. And I think you and I sort of agree here that the Eagles have shown vulnerability. I mean, they had broken rib Aaron Rodgers like wheezing in the backfield and like it took him a while to figure out that he couldn't throw the ball further than five yards down the field but yeah. like that again almost got a little kind of crazy there towards the end with Jordan Love and who knows Jordan Love may be good but the point is is like we know the Titans are good we don't know yeah. sort of how they're good because there's this <laughs> intricacies of football that like you know as layman we don't really understand like how are they able to kind of pull this off but the reality is like this team believes and they just sort of get better over the course of seasons here. And they're pretty healthy. They're getting certainly healthier. Ben Jones looks, he's back at practice at least. Maybe he plays their center. But honestly, when he went out before the Packers game, like did it affect their offense really at all? Somehow no, right? And like, yeah, they get, they're getting healthier. Obviously Henry's of course there, but like they've, you know, the first round pick from Arkansas, he's back in there from a wide receiver standpoint. He's catching long passes, which at least sort of like provides a scare into the opposing defense like yeah i i think this is probably going to be a popular underdog play but honestly like it's Vrabel, it's the titans it's kind of what they do yeah and it's just a, a, a trend here that we're seeing with the eagles that they're you can tell their high spreads keep coming down ticking down ticking <laughs> down ticking down each and every week so something to pay attention to for sure i mentioned from the vegas zone to actual vegas now mm. and uh the raiders at home but they're underdogs 
slight underdogs to the Chargers, favored by a point and a half, basically a pick'em game. The Raiders are a weird hang. <laughs> like yeah. they have been playing some funky totally. games the last couple weeks. And then you got the Chargers. Who are the Chargers? They're always playing funky games. Yeah. And you mentioned it earlier on in the pod. We were talking about the Chargers winning on the two-point conversion, which I don't feel like is getting as much love as it would have if it went the wrong way. Oh, buddy. I right, mean, which is... Of I, course it is. I'm tossing that alley-oop up to you right oh, now. That's, that's, yeah. that's my, uh, that's my uh, <laughs> Chris Paul to Blake Griffin <laughs> lob city for you right there. But uh, give me the Chargers minus a point and a half. This is just one of those... I don't know what's going on with either of these teams, but if you're telling me that I have to make a bet here, which I guess I tell myself I have to make a bet mm-hmm. here, <laughs> I'm going to be on the Chargers, Justin Herbert, and, you know, I... I like your boy genius. I'm I'm just down with it. I like the way that he rolls, and I can't say the same for Josh McDaniels at all. Yeah. The Raiders, I don't know how they're doing it the last couple of weeks, but hey, they pulled it off. That ends against the Chargers. Give me the Chargers here. Oh, my God. The torches that would have been lit on, say, you know, whatever that pregame show on Sunday Night Football is, if they didn't get the, the uh, two-point conversion, right? Mm-hmm. Like... No regard, no credit for when Imagine it goes being right. called out by Jason Garrett. Too. I mean, just, <laughs> I mean, launch, <laughs> launch society into the sun at this point. Like we have just run out of ideas here when it comes to all of this stuff. So yeah, of course he's not, oh, they're, they're just, oh, he went for two and he got it. And meanwhile, like there's a parade happening for Doug McDermott for doing the exact, or Doug McDermott? No. Doug Peterson. Why did I call him Peterson? Man, we got to tighten up our names here. We're flying all There's over. There's just the a lot sport. of Dugs, man. A lot of Dugs. Watch a lot, a lot of, of Creighton basketball lately. They're a good Creighton, really good team this <laughs> Dougie year. Dougie McBuckets. Dougie that McBucket. took me a second. I, that didn't click right away. I, like, like, I know that? there is a Doug McDermott. Yeah. McBuckets. <laughs> uh, Doug Peterson. There's a parade. There's a parade. It's going on right outside my window right now. Doug Peterson. People are really thrilled. Um, but anyway, back to this game and these teams involved. Yeah, you mentioned like the Vegas Raiders are a really weird hang. I think the Chargers are like a super fun hang, but like the next day or like, you know, after you say see you later, like you're like, I don't know anything about that guy. But like it was a really <laughs> good time. Like, whereas the Raiders, you're like the whole time you're wondering if he's just going to like light something on fire at any given point. Yeah. Um, what are we going to get? Are we getting Josh Jacobs 300 yards here? Like, honestly, against the Chargers defense, maybe, like, probably an auto over on Josh Jacobs' uh, rushing yards at this point. Because, like, even James Conner, who openly stinks as a football player, like, he was salivating at seeing the Chargers run defense. But that's kind of the point. Like, I don't know that the Chargers really care that much about run defense. Because, like, they're just going to make it work. They're just going to get by one way or another because they've got Justin Herbert and you don't. And so... If anything, that two-point conversion showed us is we should probably try to get Chargers minus one here because it, <laughs> because it's yeah. going that one point might be pretty valuable because I think yeah. the Raiders are kind of just as capable of getting a little loose. Yeah. I would have loved to see. Only I would have loved it if he had actually tried it because that would have meant Pittsburgh plus two and a half would have covered no matter what, which is really my whole point on Monday. But I would have loved to see if Jeff Saturday, your boy, had gone for two after Not seeing... A so Not you say no. Okay. Yeah. Not I mean, after seeing uh, Dougie McBuckets and, uh, and Staley <laughs> both go for it, oh, God, I would have loved to see it. So yeah, I do. I know whether either of these, well, I certainly know that Staley would do it, but do I know whether um, uh, McDaniels, thank you, with an S, I remember whether it was an S or not an S. That's the rule. Um, 
yeah, it, would he go for it? You know, who knows, right? But the point is, is like, yeah, okay, if there's a high probability that it's a tie game late or a touchdown to tie, you know, is this thing going to land on one? So let's make sure for betting the Chargers, we get minus one, which yeah. I will do. I'll bet on the Chargers here, minus the one. Uh, if I have to pay, you know, minus 115 for it, I certainly will. I think there's kind of a better than 1% chance that the Chargers by one is a sort of option uh, in this game. Um, seems to me like the market might like the Raiders here a little bit because I think this opened at two and a half, or at least the look ahead was two and a half. Let me just yeah. quickly take a look here. I mean, if the look ahead honestly watch... was three. The look ahead yeah. was three last week, which I get why it would come off three because the Raiders have actually shown life the last couple of weeks. Back-to-back -back overtime wins. How much do they have left necessarily? You know, who knows? Um, but yeah, give me the Chargers here. I think against this pass uh, defense of the Raiders, I mean, this should be a pretty good game for Justin Herbert. Yeah, totally agree totally interested to see how much they ball out in the next episode of what will the chargers do at 4 p.m games this week <laughs> right it's a great weekly show um not so much for the steelers and the falcons uh yeah i'm not really don't know how much of this game i'll actually end up tuning in for but an interesting game because of the interesting line basically a pick them steelers at atlanta i'm gonna be on the steelers for no real reason other than I just like their defense. I feel like their defense will travel, even though it looked a little shaky at times versus Matt Ryan, yeah. <laughs> which is it's a little worrisome, but hopefully Najee's okay. Not really sure there, but Atlanta, as you mentioned last week, it was just an absolute gong show and coaching does matter. And I know not everyone's a fan. I know you're not a fan of, of, uh, Wow, Tomlin. How could I forget Mike Tomlin? That's so strange. Anyways, yeah. I was about to say, never mind. Um, I do find it hilarious, though, just looking at this matchup. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this game. It's a pick'em game between the okay. Steelers and the Falcons, but I'll be on the Steelers. <laughs> um, yeah, the lines flipped. It opened Falcons minus one and a half. Um, okay. My market rating here, based on point spreads of the of the very recent past, is Falcons minus two. So mm -hmm. that minus one and a half is like pretty fair. Obviously, there's not a ton of difference between one and a half and two. You're not getting any sort of you know value there. But now that we've kicked it across to Pittsburgh minus one, I just sort of have to look at this. Go, okay, am I betting the Falcons or not? And I look at it and I go, okay. You mentioned the defense from the Steelers, but like it's kind of bumming me out because their corners are legitimately terrible. The, the special teams is a nightmare. You got guys jumping off sides on the field goal. And like, I had that kick return deal called because there was a kicker, you know, it's like a 35 yard kick return before the kick return that sort of awakened, awakened the, mm -hmm. uh, the Colts in that game. Cause you're just watching this going like, there's not really anybody all that close to like tackling, right. Or sort of getting any kind of like kick return pressure. Now I realize that's not like the most important part in the, you know, thing in the NFL, but to me, it sort of spells out like how buttoned up is the coaching in Pittsburgh right now. And it doesn't have to necessarily directly reflect Mike Tomlin, but like he's by and large a CEO style head coach, right? Kind of always has been where he like, he's a motivational dude and you can get guys up for a game against the Ravens, the Bengals, certainly those right you can get them fired up about you know some other team that's like you know uh hurt you in the past you can get them fired up for a monday night football game or a thursday night football game this doesn't really feel like that like motivational like 
perfect spot here for Pittsburgh in kind of a sleepy game in Atlanta on a Sunday afternoon. Like this feels mm-hmm. like that game where kind of nothing really happens. Kenny Pickett looked good at times, but he also missed a ton of throws. And like maybe the matchup is still pretty good with TJ Watt against a pretty sketchy offensive line for the Falcons. But again, the Falcons don't really throw the ball. And again, if there was ever reason to sort of remind them, hey, let's stop throwing the football, it was certainly the end of that game. And I've always had this theory that Marcus Mariota kind of ended up on the wrong team in Tennessee because I think he's an indoors quarterback. And I think he's just better when he plays indoors. So I'm not going to I'm not going to beat them up for not having a good game in Washington because I don't really think as much as they run the ball so much that they're really built that way. I think they're built to be on the turf, run the football a ton, play action pass, get Mariota loose where he's not sliding and slipping all over the field and he's soaking wet and he's got, you know, maroon paint on his, on his Jersey because he's fallen on the logo five times. Like, I just think that the Falcons are kind of, I mean, listen, a lot of teams are better off at home, but they're, they're particularly suited for playing at home. And I was kind of bummed out with TJ Watt. I thought he didn't play that great in a game that I thought he was going to be able to, you know, go you know, pretty nuts on Matt Ryan. I think he got bailed out by a lot of those other guys. And maybe it was because a particular attention was being placed on TJ Watt. But honestly, a lot of the times he was singled up and it didn't really, you know, he didn't sort of affect the game that I thought he probably should have given that they had the lead for as long as they did. And so I think there's a spot where people kind of watch Pittsburgh. Maybe they're getting excited about Kenny Pickett and George Pickens. And they're going like, oh, yeah, like Atlanta, like they're toast, blah, blah, blah. Like, let's grab Pittsburgh. And that's my thinking on why this line moved. I can't be because Kyle Pitts got ruled out for the rest of the season because I don't know that we were expecting Kyle Pitts to play in this game, nor were we expecting him to kind of do anything. Because, again, it's all about running the football when it comes to the Falcons. And, like, yeah, the Steelers have a pretty good run defense, so maybe that's, you know, a troublesome matchup. But honestly, like, if you scheme that up well enough, you know, it's a matchup oriented thing. Some teams run a different way. You know, we've watched sort of Tampa Bay try to run the football and it's there as bare bones as it comes to their run game. Falcons here, you know, they obviously do a bunch of different stuff. I, I tend to like Atlanta in this game. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, <laughs> talked about marquee games and not so marquee games. This might be a marquee mainstream game, but we've kind of buried this in the pod, kind of like how the NFL bury this in the middle of the one o'clock skeds we got the cleveland browns at the texans browns are favored by seven points which i looked at and was like oh yeah this is a lot of points and then i remembered it's not going to be jacoby Brissett starting for the browns it's going to be some other guy playing qb for the browns who used to be the qb for the texans dude hasn't played in about two years and there's a lot going on there which i have zero interest in getting into (laughs) But I will say this about the Houston Texans. I read this online from Aaron Wilson, who covers the Texans, and he asked Brandon Cooks, when did the Texans know that they were overmatched? He says, quote, from the moment we came out, Brandon Cooks said, (laughs) I'm talking from an offensive standpoint, the moment we stepped out there, that's the truth, that's facts. Mm. With all that said, an embarrassing performance as there's been for the Houston Texans. I feel like if there's one game, yeah, that's saying something embarrassing performance by the Texans. There's one game that you are going to get up for crowds going to be into it. There's going to be a lot going on. Seven points. Isn't like, it's a lot of points, but at the same time, I'm like, I like taking the points here with the Houston Texans. I feel like if there's a moment to show up, it's going to be this game. The crowd will be into it. There's lots of noise going on. 
you know, that dude on the Browns hasn't played in two years. And now you're laying seven points on the road against anybody, which I know Houston might be anybody, yeah. <laughs> but I'm taking a points here with the Houston Texans. Yeah. And, and I mean, like that all makes a ton of sense. It could right up until the part where you say the team name and you're like, it's the Texans. And you're like, mm -hmm. Oh wait, I'm betting on the Texans. Is that, is that the right. assumption here? Um, so let's start with the Texans, I guess. Right. And it's like, how low can we go? You know, I, I, we should have a pretty good handle on the Texans rating, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's mm -hmm. no reason to be like, well, maybe they're in the 40s or maybe they're even in the 30s. Like, they should just kind of be 25 and just sure. sort of stay there. And then they play. And sometimes it looks not that bad against the Eagles, against the mm -hmm. Giants. Though, I mean, that was kind of a bummer, obviously. But, like, they were probably the better team in that game against a, you know, alleged seven-win team. And you go, okay, well, like, we got to move them up. We got to move them up to like like high twenties. This is a team that like should be having better results than they do. Then you watch them play the last two weeks against the Commanders, and then of course this fiasco against the Dolphins. And you go, <laughs> "Am I? Are we doing? Am I? Are we, are we reverse Buffalo Billsing them? Do we have to blow through the twenty? Do we have to go up? You know, through the center of the earth under the twenty, which was kind of like our low point. Like, are they truly the worst team, or getting to the point where they're they're in the running for kind of worst team, you know, of all time or of the decade or of the two thousands or however you want to say it? And like, I don't know, is Kyle Allen any better than Davis Mills? Are we supposed to make an adjustment? Am I supposed to care which quarterback plays here? Is home versus road really matter? I mean, yeah, if you throw a pick six on the first play. You know, like they did two weeks ago, like it probably doesn't really matter that you're at home or you're on the road. But you're right. Like this should be the one game that they sell out or the one game that they sell out and actually is loud. So, yeah, it feels a little Super Bowl-y, right? Like Texan Super Bowl. <laughs> and then from a football standpoint, from the Browns perspective, you go, this is a team that we absolutely should be fading as a seven-point road favorite. Like, of course yeah. we should. But we have to kind of figure out, like, what are we expecting out of Deshaun Watson? Now, the sort of wrench in all of this, so first things first, I should say, is if you had them, if this is Jacoby Brissett, right? We have to start there. If this is Jacoby Brissett, like, what would the line be in this game? And the answer to that is, as I pull it up here, it's struggling. Um, <laughs> the answer to that is five. Oh. Right? If this is Jacoby Brissett, the number would be five based on the points. I spreads. think I'd still be on the Texans. And so, yeah, and, and, and you know, whether you would or you wouldn't be, but like that, Whatever. that yeah, keep, yeah, keep, in, yeah, keep in mind, like this is this is a Texan, Texans team that was 14 <laughs> and 14 and a half last week. Like that is that is using that number. They would yeah. be a five point underdog to the Browns. And by the way, like you said before, almost covered almost covered 14, 14 and a half in that game, right? If they could have somehow, I don't know how you don't backdoor at that point. Like you had certainly enough opportunities to do so, but nevertheless, we are up to seven here. Um, even with me taking the Texans down even further, like off of the downgrade off of Miami, I guess we have to move the Browns up because they pulled off that Todd Bowles fiasco against the Buccaneers. Okay. I can get you to six and mm -hmm. get you to six and a half. Well, now what do we do because Deshaun Watson's playing? And how good is Deshaun Watson going to be? Because the thing, as I was sort of getting to with the, the wrench into all of this, is like when he played in the preseason, he was not very good. And is this going to be sort of preseason part two? Because, you know, this is midseason form 
season, if you will. Yeah, and yeah, Deshaun yeah. Watson's not going to be in mid-season form. He only came back to practice like a week and a half ago. And how much did he get involved even in those practices as far and as do like they running, really practice running with the ones? And like, yeah, what what would you even practice? Um, or do you just hand the ball off to Nick Chubb a hundred times? and Kareem Hunt a hundred times because you're going up against the Texans atrocious run defense. And does Deshaun Watson even really matter in this game? Right. Yeah. And so that's why this is seven, because you have to go up a little bit for the matchup. You have to go up a little bit for Deshaun Watson, but like, I think there's a reason we're not going to seven and a half because that kind of seems a little crazy. And maybe it does. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we end up at seven and a half at that point. Yeah. Okay. I can start having a conversation about bothering with this game. But like the NFL, is there any reason for us to not just completely ignore this game is even happening, right? Like why put ourselves through this one way or another? Because there's kind of no way it ends up being any fun to watch. <laughs> yes. Um, we're trying to figure out how exciting the next game is going to be to watch because we're not really sure about who the quarterbacks will be. Right. Despite the fact that your man's Aaron Rodgers has said that he will play we shall see the line anyways Packers minus four in Chicago against the Bears this line is super weird but as I mentioned trying to figure out does Vegas know Fields is not playing is Fields playing why would Fields play all of those things I'm curious about from a Bears standpoint Aaron Rodgers is out here saying he's gonna play and I would assume that Aaron Rodgers has more say on whether he's playing or not than the head coach. So we'll see how that plays out. <laughs> right. But a weird minus four line. And I'm on the Packers because I want nothing to do with the Bears unless I know if Fields is playing for sure. Yeah. And I uh, literally, they just uh, grabbed, oh God, is it Todd, Tad Boyle? Todd Boyle? Larry Boyle? Uh, something like that. Um <laughs> Boyle, he played for Detroit, no. I think, for five seconds. Uh, in the only five. Detroit I know is David Blau. In well, it was it was Blau and Boyle for when <laughs> last year. It was the Blau Boyle combination last year. Anyway, so they grabbed one of those guys off of somebody's practice squad, which tells you what they are looking for another quarterback. Why the Peter because, Man doesn't work? No, because well, I think the problem is the Peter Man might be the starter man this week <laughs> because we had that fiasco last week. Which let's yeah. just hang with me here for a quick story. About forty-five minutes before the game, you've probably heard this. Forty-five minutes before the game, mm. they say, "Oh, Peterman, uh, excuse me, Simeon has you know an oblique injury, and Nathan Peterman is going to start. He's been off the practice squad. He's you know pulled on the practice off the practice squad onto the roster because of Justin Fields, and now all of a sudden he's got to start." Well, what do we do, right? First thing we do is, okay, what was the market before? What is the market going to be? Is there a valuable bet to be made? And the market had already gotten up to minus seven once Josh, Justin Fields, almost called him Josh Fields. This is brutal. Um, Justin Fields. Josh Fields. Wow, yeah. that's a solid Baseball one. player from like yeah. 15 years ago. We're feeling it. You know, it's week 13. We get loose. Um, so so you look, okay, like what is the market? Where was the market and how how can I sort of take advantage of this? And I didn't really want to mess with the under because I think mm. like the Jets could score a ton on the on the Bears defense and sort of not blink. So I went to team total Bears under 15 and a half. Now that number I think had been like 16 and a half or 17 and a half, and it hadn't crossed through 14 and a half. So I was like, okay, well, this there's this is one that they're sort of slow to move. So I just I waylay under 15 and a half on the Bears. And then the game's about to start, and I'm like, we've already got Jets minus four and a half from earlier on the week. And now I'm like deep into the weeds on the Bears not scoring. 
And what happens in the first, first off in the, before the game is, no, no, actually, Trevor Simeon's fine. Like, okay, well, that's not really what I signed up for, but, like, here we are. I guess we're going to have to deal with this. Maybe I try to get out of it if they have a slow start, which you would expect the Bears offense to have. Nope. Touchdown Bears, field goal Bears. They're at 10 to 7. They've got the lead, and they are literally, they're not halfway. They are beyond halfway to the 15 and a half that is going to sink my battleship, so to speak. And so I spend the rest of that game sweating to within an inch of my life whether the Bears get seven more points every single drive. Oh, God, is this going to be the one? Is this going to be the play? Every time Mike White drops back to pass in the rain, is this going to be the situation here? Because, by the way, just because the Bears offense doesn't score doesn't mean the defense isn't going to score. Correct. Long story short, and a quick review of the old scoreboard is they never scored again after those first two possessions. Maybe it was three possessions. And I got out of there alive. All of that is to say, this is the Bears offense that we are signing up for this week. Because I don't think Fields, Justin Fields, is going to play. And especially because we're now adding quarterbacks, I'm not even super positive that Simeon is going to play because who knows? There was an injury before the game. Yeah, they might have shot him up with something to get him back out there. But like that doesn't mean it wasn't significant or that it didn't become significant throughout the game. A game in which they didn't do anything offensively in the final three quarters. So like yeah, the shot might have worn right off. And like that's the type of thing that's going to happen. So now we're looking at David Blau or Todd Boyle or you know whatever his name is playing here but we also have the green bay quarterback situation and so if you had the rating from the bears going into that game the rating that made them seven point underdogs to the jets and you had the rating that had the packers with aaron Rodgers. by the way a rating that still has the packers below average even with aaron Rodgers. the number comes out to about four and a half in this game so that's not that far off Mm -hmm. Right. So I think we're pretty stable here with the Bears. They might be even worse than we think. And the issue here, you're wondering what Aaron Rodgers is like. I'm sitting here wondering, like, what would you rather have a broken thumb, mangled rib, Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love? I kind of think if you're the Packers, you kind of rather Jordan Love for a full game, especially if he gets sort of first team reps. But because Aaron Rodgers holds the organization hostage for every single decision that they make, it is going to be up to him on whether he wants to play, which is like super infuriating. Either way, I don't know that there's, and it's not really which guy is going to be better in this one instance, because we'll never find out. I don't think unless Rodgers starts is ineffective and love comes in and is good. It's really more the fact that it's a debate. Mm-hmm. right and yeah. so like if there if it's a debate then it has to be pretty equal and so i look at this and i go like okay like i think i have to bet the packers here now obviously the worst thing possible would be if justin fields like miraculously decides to play but that doesn't seem to be the indication based on what's happening with the bears roster or honestly any sense in their mind like why they even would want to win any games the rest of the way like we are unfortunately there is a handful of teams who winning games is absolutely the wrong move going forward and the bears along with the texans by the way are two of those teams that actually absolutely make no sense in winning games coming down the stretch here Totally true. Totally true. Uh, Two teams trying to win games, although sometimes it might not look like it. The Jags as a pick favorite against the Lions. Um, Trevor Lawrence, 
big time game, maybe the NFL moment of his career so far, um, his NFL career anyways. What a comeback win. Great drives down the stretch. Cool. We mentioned the two-point conversion. Big boy moves for Trevor Lawrence. Now you're going in against the Lions. The Lions, I mean, they they put up a good fight on Thanksgiving against Buffalo Bills, despite the loss. And so this is an interesting matchup of two teams that are teams that I've been betting on and off this year as like, uh, what's what's the Simmons and Sal good, bad team? Okay. You know, like, they're not really good. It's the preseason bowl. Like these are the right. two teams that everybody was like, look out for the Lions, look out for the Jags. And then like the season starts, we're like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I just wish there were more points for me to take in this game. That's really <laughs> what I want. That's really what I need. Why has it got to be a pick right? Because if you just gave me yeah. a little more points, I'd <laughs> gladly just take whoever's the underdog. I'd cover my eyes and be like, underdog play. Boom. Sure. But yeah, give me the Lions in this. I don't got much on this game. And the market has, I mean, listen, the market certainly would agree with you, but it's why this line has flipped from one team being a tiny favorite, as in Detroit with opened minus one, to Jacksonville being the favorite at minus yeah. one. I mean, that's a negligible, negligible move. Mm-hmm. It just shows that there was some early money on the Jags. And like, that's going to happen after kind of a big win, right? Like, yeah. this isn't a tr- sort of reevaluation necessarily of their rating, I don't think. And it's funny because this game started, this game was delayed a half hour. And so what happened was as part of the one o'clock window, it sort of got treated like an overtime game in that like every, it was sort of the last game standing. Obviously like Cleveland and Tampa Bay was still lingering being in overtime as well. And so a lot of people saw the last five minutes of that game that wouldn't otherwise have seen it because they'd be doing all of the other games, right? They'd be working, worrying about that. And so, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I had the, you know, I had the Jags. We had the Jags money line. I had the Jags in, in circa millions, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm watching every play of that game. <laughs> and through three quarters, like this was not the Trevor Lawrence coming out party. But everybody yeah. saw the fourth quarter, particularly the end of the fourth quarter. And we're like, my guy is throwing dimes out there. And like, <laughs> look at the plays. And it was like, I mean, yeah, but like, did you guys miss the fumble where he didn't, you know, had no concept of who was around him and all of that sort of stuff. And like anything that happened basically in the first three quarters of that game where the offense was not doing very much at all. And so like, I think it just, you know, that sort of just tells me like, we have to be tempered about like this stuff. And like, it's a perfect example of the headlines and this, you know, I always bring up the Sunday night preview show, right? Cause it's like, it's always one sentence right? Or one highlight you see like, oh, look at the throw on fourth and whatever. Oh, the touchdown and the Jags come back and win. And like, oh, by the way, Justin Tucker missed a 67 yard field goal. That was not even as close as anybody sort of gave it credit for only because it was online (laughs) uh, from the camera angle. And so like we get caught up in those, those are the three takeaways. Those are the Mm -hmm. three things that people talk about at the water cooler. Like, oh yeah, Trevor Lawrence might have figured out. It's like, I mean, yes, sure. That was certainly a step forward. But, like, it doesn't make me want to bet on them this week. It was a jump and hug game, Shell. Like, we don't want the jump and hug team, you know. But problem is, like, it's betting on the Lions is requiring Dan Campbell to win a football game. Now, it's not like he's never done it before, but, like, it takes a real effort for them to win a football game. Like Aaron Rodgers has to throw multiple interceptions <laughs> in the red zone for the, yeah. for them to give that game to the Lions, right? Like it, the stuff that it takes for the Lions to actually take a win is just not something I want to bet on. So I don't really like either side in this game. I realized it was a long way to go to kind of not give you all that much here. <laughs> um, but yeah, like if the Jags, listen, 
who do you think is going to win a game? Doug Peterson or Dan Campbell? Like I would like to, because there are so many coaches that are just so far out of their depth, and especially as we get into this last third of the season, I just want to, when I'm making picks and making bets and picking games for contests that we might be sort of lingering in when it comes to like cashing in, mm-hmm. I need, I'm going to be comparing the coaches a lot. Hell yeah. And if we're talking about a pick em game, and at the end of it, it's like Doug Peterson versus Dan Campbell. And like a pick'em game is supposed to be close. That's the nature of it. And it might come down to a guy not knowing how to work his timeouts. And it might guy not a guy it might come down to a guy not getting fourth down correctly, or some of these other sort of small things with regards to the clock and whatnot. And I don't know that yeah. Doug Peterson's necessarily a genius by any stretch of the imagination, but I know that Dan Campbell is not. So, it, you know, if I had to lean, yeah, I'd go with Jacksonville here because I don't trust Dan Campbell to simply win a football game. And I that's gotcha. honestly probably why the markets move from minus one Detroit to minus one Jacksonville. Not that that's a major move by any means, but yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you talked about non-coaching geniuses. Uh, seems like a good time to go to the Broncos. <laughs> the Broncos. Again, that could have been anybody at this. You could have, you know, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Nathaniel Hackett. Um, the Broncos at the Ravens. Ravens nine point favorites. Literally, as I wrote these lines down, it was eight and a half, yeah. and then I went back to it and I went to nine. And that didn't sway me in taking the Ravens. I was going to take the Ravens at eight and a half. I'm going to take them at nine and I don't like it. I'm not even saying that this is a good bet that I would tell other people to go out and lay a lot of money on. But I will say the Broncos, I don't know if I've seen a worse trade in NFL history or just a trade or a move go as bad as this has gone. Even though when it was made, there were people saying, ah, I don't know. Not really sure. (laughs) And even those people are like, no, nah, this is really bad. Like, this has gone really, really bad. Yeah. Well, it's Russ less- getting yelled at by his own teammates on the <laughs> sideline. Like, I don't know what's going on here. Well, and you know about the birthday party? No, Wait. I don't know about the birthday party. Oh, no. Sierra threw him a birthday party this uh, yesterday, right? Tuesday. Day so off. all the teammates went? Not all the teammates went, Shell. Not all the teammates. Oh. It was a sparse attendance on the off day. Really? So high drama. Hold on. The, how does uh, that even work? Like how much, how lame does your quarterback have to be that dudes are like, I ain't going to his. Hold on. How lame does your quarterback have to be that you get an invite from Sierra and you're like, yo, I'm not going to this party. Yeah. What? <laughs> yo. Yeah. I mean, like there'd be girls there. But yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I'm sorry. Can we like end this podcast or pause this podcast so I can then like go to TMZ a deep dive literally okay. everything about this story right now? Oh, I thought, yeah. I'm surprised like, we didn't headline the podcast with what? Denver and Baltimore for this exact reason. As it pertains amazing. to the point spread, let me like rip yeah. control back from you. Can I just say I, one thing? Right can I just say one thing about the point spread? No, no, no. It's about the game. It's about the oh, okay, game. Okay, okay, okay. Ravens at nine though, right? Yeah. The one thing that had me pausing, and we just talked about what Trevor Lawrence did last week to the Ravens, and right. it's so bad for the Ravens not being able to hold leads or anything. And I'm still like, nah, the Broncos, I can't do it. Can't do it. Yeah, I, I get it. And I and honestly, I can't do it with either of these teams. Eight and a half and nine is no different, but what what, yeah. does, what does eight and a half, why is eight and a half different from nine? Teaser no, protection. I, boom. Teaser protection, right? Mm-hmm. If it's eight and a half, like, and honestly, look at your book. If you're sometimes books, you know, some books put it that that way, don't offer teasers even until later on in the week when the line settles, et cetera, et cetera. 
Other books offer teasers right from the from Jump Street, but you, you'll see in these sorts of lines, they start at nine rather than eight and a half, mm. right? So there's sort of this like weird thing between sports books where it's like, well, we don't even offer teasers, so we can offer eight right now and see if anybody will take it. But when we decide to offer a teaser option, we're bumping this thing up to nine. You know, it's not because Baltimore like took money or Denver had some sort of injury or anything like that. Nothing happened, right? It was literally other than, okay, we're tired of people hammering away at Baltimore minus two, Baltimore minus two and a half. So yeah, if you can still grab the minus two, two and a half teaser leg here with the Ravens, there are certainly plenty of options that giants plus two and a half up to eight and a half. I mean, if that doesn't, speaking of Broncos, if that doesn't fall into the Broncos memorial, tease them, tease against them every single game category, I don't know what does. Obviously, <laughs> that Broncos teasers last week were, were money. I shouldn't say Broncos teasers. Panthers teasers against the Broncos were money. Gotta feel like it's the same thing this week. Can't imagine the Ravens lose to this absolutely horrendous. And by the way, again, John Harbaugh, Nathaniel Hackett. You know? Which one would you rather have there? And I get, again, like we're not talking point spread necessarily because like we're requiring a Ravens team who has not done well with hanging on to these leads. They have created them though. Again, that has to be an element in this too. You have to be able to create a lead in order to hold a lead here. So if you had to pick one side of it, it would certainly be the Ravens because again, I think a lot of this whole like blew the lead thing can be kind of happenstance small sample size variance all of that kind of thing whereas like there's nothing unlucky about the broncos they just suck do you think nathaniel hackett was part of the half of the team that went to russ's birthday party yeah because he's the reason like <laughs> he's the coach <laughs> he has to go right? and rogers is the reason that nathaniel hackett is the coach but like true yeah. That's a that's it. The defense I'm, isn't at the birthday party. I'm tell you that right now. Not. The defense is at like Richard Sherman's house, like just like comparing <laughs> notes or something. Having their own party. Yeah. 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 Oh, this story is amazing. I can't wait to read literally everything about it. Um, let's keep things moving here before I deter this whole I take this podcast on a whole other detour as yeah. I was already looking up. Sierra, never mind. Um, so the Seahawks, minus seven and a half point favorites in LA against the Rams. Uh, one side note from last week's Rams games. Uh, I was on the Rams last week, got that game wrong. I took the Rams plus 14 and a half. And then in a truth serum here, I turned on the game. The game popped up on my television. And there's some dude named Bryce Perkins. Yeah. Is that an actual? I didn't. I'd never heard of this person before in my life, and I will say he could have been really good college player somewhere. Yeah. Sure, Virginia. I'm not. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not knocking at him. I'm saying this is on me. Yeah. <laughs> I popped up the game and I was like, "Wait, who's this guy? Where did this guy come from? How did I bet on this team and have no idea what's going on?" So I was on the plus fourteen and a half. They did not cover, but I can't be mad at my guy Perkins. Can't be mad at him at all. Well, perfect example, too, of like the day meaning, you know, Wednesday, it's 14 and a half. Friday, it's up to 16 and actually pushes because, as you mentioned, right, the Chiefs, the Chiefs were allowing the Rams to cover all numbers. The Rams de- politely declined to cover all numbers. And then they sort of like came to a gentleman's agreement that they were just going to push the closing number. And so it was sort of like, well, if, you know, it's like they planned it out where they were like, well, if you were a sharp enough better that you waited as long as you possibly could to take the Rams at the absolute maximum price of plus 16, 
we will reward them with a push, but everybody else doesn't <laughs> get, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or if you were early enough on the chiefs, we will give you that as well. Right. So it was sort of like everybody voted and that's kind of the result the end of the game, which <laughs> I don't think that's what happened, but it certainly felt like it because that was a really weird fourth quarter of that game, but you're Super right. Strange. Yeah. And Bryce Perkins, obviously his first career start gets a ton of run in the, in the preseason because they don't use anybody else in the uh, preseason or any starters in the preseason under um, Sean McVay's, you know, rules and regulations of the preseason. So, you know, again, they sort of get worked over. It was never really all that close, but they kind of hung in. And, you know, we talked last week how like the, the cup in Stafford rating was kind of had dropped to the point where they were about, you know, 50 out of a hundred, you know, purely average team. And honestly, that was probably a little bit high. Uh, then cup mm-hmm. goes down and you, know, we talked about this, you know, the game against the saints and somehow the Rams are taking money, even though Cooper cup was not in the game. And so we looked at him, we're like, okay, that had to drop them to like the low 40s. And then Stafford goes out. He's obviously not involved in this game. And so where does the where does their rating go? And it drops down to like the low 20s, right? We're talking Texan territory here in yeah. around 25. And I don't know that that was necessarily low enough. And we drop it a little bit further to sort of get, you know, kind of closer to where maybe the market thinks the Rams are. And we're still not anywhere near seven and a half here. I'm at like six, which again, you're going, oh, that's only one and a half, but that's crossing seven here, right? And there was actually some eights in the marketplace on this game. So I, you know, I think maybe we had a small adjustment there on people going like, well, we, we can't go crazy here. And like (laughs) Seattle's just not as good as like, we were sort of led to believe after a few games there where they actually played some pretty good football. And so yeah, man, I can't go any higher than six. So, like, if I had to play something, it would be Rams plus seven and a half. But the problem was, and where, and by the way, this number was four, four and a half, exactly kind of where my number was. But then Aaron Donald comes down with an with a, a high ankle sprain. So, if you had yeah. said who are the like four players that the Rams are relying on this season from a veteran <laughs> star perspective, you know, we know that they're a sort of a stars and scrubs outfit. Stafford, Cup. Donald Ramsey. Ramsey. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, okay, what happens if three of those guys go out? We've talked about this before. Yeah, if they lose two or three of these guys, they're screwed. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly where, that's <laughs> exactly we where we're at, right? So yeah. where does Aaron Donald fit in all of this? And is mm-hmm. this Rams team, which won't go down in history as the worst team of all time, because it will only have been for sort of seven games at the end of this season, but like this iteration of the Rams, like, there's kind of no bottom here potentially. So like in theory, I'm supposed to bet the Rams, especially at seven and a half, but like they might be really bad on defense now too, to go along with an offense. That's not very good. The one thing that they have in Perkins is a guy who is at least mobile, but they don't have a run game that the Raiders could rely on, for example. And now if they're not getting pressure on Geno Smith, this might be a really nice Geno Smith game. So I mean, this, I mean, this game can't be bet on with actual money, but for the purposes <laughs> of like a, a pool, like, yeah. yeah, I guess plus seven and a half, but yes, you're clear. 
imagine putting like actual money on Bryce Perkins. I was like, who is this guy? I'm, I'm like, is he a, like he's wearing gloves. I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah, there's, a lot of, so there's a lot of two glovers out there, by the way. Yeah, Probably so the one thing keeping Kenny Pickett away from legitimacy is that he's just two gloving it up left, right. But just imagine my confusion, left right? You know, I'm not a big college football guy. So I'm sure. just like, wait, what is going on right now? And why has he got two gloves on? Is he the actual quarterback? Really fun college quarterback. It's just the whole running the football thing from the where's Wofford was that guy's name yeah Wofford? John Wolford yeah Wolford where's he at he's hurt too he's got a neck injury this guy's got a bad neck See, bad um, neck situation I gotta keep up to date with my backup QBs man that's yeah, on me that's my neck. bad that's my bad and it cost me a game it cost me a game last week hey what can you do imagine me like not taking the Chiefs like what I'm joking. I'm joking. I, I saw your face. Sorry, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm not trying to make sense of that game. That's one where you turn on and you're like, all right, I'll just take this L. Um, <laughs> the next game here, as I try to like wind myself back down here to wrap up this pod Sunday night football. Let's go. We got the Colts at the Cowboys. Cowboys at home. 11 point favorite. Seems like a lot of points, <laughs> but yeah, Especially after we watched what the Cowboys did on Thanksgiving where, you know, hey, we talked about a few rough goes with the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving the last few years. And then guess what? Having the cover nine and a half, things are looking good. Looks like an easy cover. I, we were talking offline before we recorded. I was I followed Mr. Matt Russell on Twitter. It led me to a lot of prop bet wins. We're cashing. We're having some drinks. Everything is good. Cowboys look like they're going to cover. And then what? Brett Maher. Brett Maher. Yeah. Maher. Yeah. If anybody knows Brett Maher, by the way, if anybody's listening to this and you're like, oh, he's my cousin or like, oh, I went to high school with him. Like, can you get in touch and just like maybe find out his Venmo or just sort of a <laughs> contact for me? Because there's a chance mm -hmm. six weeks from now. I'm going to need that information so that I can invoice him for that field goal at mm -hmm. the end of that game because contest line was eight and a half Ooh. line closed 10 and a half Ooh. make the play at eight and a half mm -hmm. uh, came down to deciding whether to use Dallas or Minnesota. Obviously Minnesota went on and covered mere hours later, but we used Dallas minus eight First. and a half, right? That field goal. 46 yarder. He's a professional. He literally just made like a 61 yarder the week before. And it's, it just shows you how mentally weak these field goal kickers are, where if they're not at like full concentration and this game is like not on the line, like, or that like, it's not early on in the game that they're just absolutely going to fall apart mentally. So he misses the kick. And now of course, a, you know, what should be a 17 point game is a 14 point game. And everybody knows what's going to happen at that point, right? The world's slowest, backdoor cover that features a 15-yard penalty that we never saw a replay of from Micah Parsons <laughs> and a series of other just silliness-type penalties yeah. uh, or plays, for that matter. And, of course, they backdoor, the Giants backdoor that number. Um, as it pertains to this game, nine. Nine was the number. Nine was the number last week. Nine was the market number this week. And so why is it not nine anymore? Why is it 11 an upgrade on the Cowboys and or a downgrade on the Colts. So I guess the Colts downgrade makes some sense. Yeah, I guess. Sure. Right. Uh, but if the main issue for the Colts is close game 
clock management and decision making. We're That's not all, talking about that. We're not, game, yeah, we're not talking about that. Right? <laughs> we're talking about a veteran quarterback with a running back and a run game mm-hmm. and all of that sort of thing. And a game crossing a relatively key number mm-hmm. that, you know, I wouldn't have bet. I wouldn't have bet Dallas minus 10 and a half minus 11 against the Giants. But because it was eight and a half and it closed 10 and a half, then yeah, like I'm going to use that in the contest. So the point is I get a second chance here and I'm like, oh God, I got to take the Colts plus 11. Yeah. It's a lot of points for like a functional team. But again, the, the biggest issue is that they don't know how timeouts work. <laughs> I kind of like that. They don't like know how timeouts work in I mean, this situation. It in fairness, last week. In yeah. fairness, I don't know if Mike McCarthy knows how timeouts work either. But it doesn't matter in this situation <laughs> either, right? Like, he's not going to want to use his timeouts. Uh, you know, you can leave the game with three timeouts in your pocket if you are up 10 points, right? You can fail to use those timeouts if you are down 10 points. So yeah. I'm not loving it by any means. But, you know, Sunday night game, so they have a little extra time. So it's not necessarily a short week. Obviously, the Cowboys have had a longer week. But the bigger issue with the Cowboys is the sloppiness. Like, beyond the fact that that game was even in range to be backdoored, they played a quarter of that game. Like, the first half was a, like, complete no-show. And obviously, they sort of no-showed the last part of the the fourth quarter. And, like, so when are we going to see the Cowboys actually put a game together for four quarters? That's the thing that I haven't sort of seen here. And maybe it happens against a pretty dumpy Colts team and – then we don't see it when they actually have to play, you know, good teams. Uh, I'm just not going to lay 11 points with a team that's that sloppy. Yeah, no, definitely. It's a lot of points. Totally understand where you're coming from here with the Dallas Cowboys. I'm just going to continue to fade Jeff Saturday for the rest of the season. I feel like this is where the job comes in that he was actually brought in to do, which is just lose. (laughs) Um, I'm half joking, by the way. Uh, Monday night football. We got the Saints at the Bucks. Bucks home favorites at three and a half points. And this is one of those classic games where I'm here to remind people the Saints are just not a good matchup for the Bucks. Mm. But a few questions I do have. You know, we know the the beef that surrounds Mike Evans and uh, Marshawn Lattimore. Not sure if Marshawn Lattimore is is playing in, in the lineup. Got to check on that. But yeah. this has just been a, an ongoing theme. The Bucks struggle against the Saints. Plus, you're giving me the extra half point. I'm going to gobble up said half point. I also don't understand. My question to you is, where's Jameis? Is Jameis okay? Yeah. I mean, we see him on the sidelines. <laughs> so he's not like kidnapped. You know what right. I mean? Like, he's not off on like, one. It's not like, like Andy a, Dalton's out here tearing it up and they're winning. He's games. not in a Louisiana riverboat casino during these games. Like he is, he is a part of the team. He's mm-hmm. talking to Andy Dalton, and maybe that's the problem. I don't know. <laughs> uh, on honestly, if you told me that, like, oh, by the way, surprise start, Jameis Winston against the Bucks, like his old mm-hmm. team. Like we finally got to a point where guess what? The, the Saints didn't score any points, so we finally have like made the change here like right all it took is a shutout we finally got rid of andy dalton here and i don't i mean who knows whether it's like all andy dalton's fault he certainly missed some wide open receivers and that drove me insane um the thing is though and i'm with you like listen nobody has been the captain of the saints 
low-key own the Buccaneers ship than I, I am, right? Like, I am that dude. This line opens six and a half. Whoa. Three and a half. And, like, the market number was, for me, was five and a half, based on, like, and tracking point spreads of the last little bit. So what's the move? Is the move because of, oh, yeah, but it's the Saints. So, like, let's grab that six you know, and, 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 and run mm-hmm. is the move because we watched Todd Bowles. And for all of the like coaching malpractice that we've referenced up into this point, Todd Boyle, Todd Bowles is sitting atop the heap with what he did in Cleveland. That was worse than Jeff Saturday. That was worse than worse than anything. Nathaniel Hackett has done this. Well, it's season. because you have Tom Brady. Yeah. And honestly, I'm, <laughs> I'm disappointed in Tom freaking Brady who like should be able to overrule this nonsense. Like he yeah. should be able to call a timeout after they run a screen play <laughs> with a minute to go in a tie game. Like, what is that? Anyway, don't need to re-legislate it. Just know it was worse than anything that you saw from any other coach all season. And honestly, maybe in our entire lives. Mm-hmm. Is that enough for everybody to just like pile in and bet on this? Or is everybody finally coming to sort of not agreeing with me, but like my numbers come to two and a half in this oh. game. So that's my rating, right? Yeah, and that yeah. that has that has the enough is enough Buccaneers at like 50 out of 100. Because last week, three and a half point favorites on the road. You and I talked about that the, and the craziness with the Browns and the Buccaneers rating. Like, how are they three and a half? We talked about how if you're going to bet this game, just take the Browns money line. Look, that that worked out exactly how it yeah. sort of should have, right? But yeah, so I'm way down on the Bucks at 51. And I think that's being kind of generous even still. And then when it comes to the Saints, like I've been pretty, you know, sturdy here with making them about a 45 out of 100, which, you know, is pretty much the same thing as the market. So really, it's just me saying, okay, the Buccaneers are way worse than the market is giving them credit for. If we had just been, (laughs) we would have saved so many people so much aggravation if we had just committed to the Buccaneers being a average team, a 50 out of the, you know, out of a hundred, where if you're a 50 out of the hundred, that means you could play to a 40 one week. That means you could play to a 60 one week. And we would probably be a lot better off as betters if we had just sort of admitted that this team is average and they can sometimes play above average and sometimes play below average. Instead, we've treated this team like they were a 60 out of 100 where mm-hmm. their like low end was 50. Yeah. But their low end has been a lot lower than merely league average. And so I'm comfortable with plus three and a half with some money line here on the Saints because again, that's all rating talk before we even talked about the matchup. And yeah, it'd be great if Marshawn Lattimore played in this game because the Lattimore-Evans thing is always fun because they seem, or at least Evans seems more interested in like fighting Lattimore than he doesn't actually <laughs> catching passes. And by the way, Evans got shut down by a guy whose name I don't even know last week against the Browns. That was kind of pathetic as well. Yeah. So like, there's just a lot to not like about the Bucks, And I don't know how anybody can look at Todd Bowles and the decisions that he's making and want to lay three and a half points or honestly any points, but certainly over a field goal. No, I'm totally right there with you. Agree with you on so much of what she just said in terms of the Bucks. A hugely disappointing performance by them for sure. But as mentioned, one of the themes you talked about for people to realize here, understanding the difference of talking about games now when you're listening and where the lines are going to be by the time kickoff comes. We're just here trying to give you all the information. But in between now and then, where can the people follow you to get even more? 
of your information and maybe some other things in terms of prop bets, uh, money line parlays, all types of stuff you got going on. Where can the people find you, my dude? Yeah, at MRussAuthentic on Twitter. You probably know that by now. Of course, grab the, the the score app. You probably already have that. But set your betting alerts so that you get the articles as soon as they come out so you know, okay, I can grab this price or that price. We obviously have a big college uh, championship weekend here, 10 conference championships, sort of you know, take on all of those games. What's going on? Some wild line move, movement. We have a ton of different quarterbacks being in and out. But the one thing I wanted to sort of say here, teasers, right? When people say to you, Oh, teasers haven't been good this season. They're not wrong, mm -hmm. but they're wrong to give up on teasers because what's happened is they weren't very good in the first six weeks of the season. But over the last six weeks, things have started to make more sense. And if we're basing a bet on math, which we do when we're talking about teasers, right? Teasing things up to eight, down from eight, under a field goal, so that we can get the most win probability that we can possibly get because of key numbers of three and seven. It's all very mathematical. It has such little to do with the actual matchups most of the time. So if you're basing something on math, you have to let a sample size play out. So I don't want to judge something on six weeks. I don't want to judge something on 25 teaser legs or 50 teaser legs. I want to judge something on 100 teaser legs. And so, yeah, if we lose a bunch at the start of the season, it's called statistical regression. We're going to regress to the mean. And in this case, it's been really good. The teaser legs over the last four weeks that I've written about in the teaser bucket, which, by the way, not rocket science, tease stuff up from two and a half to eight and a half, tease stuff down from eight to under a field goal. Not rocket science. We're going like 19 and one on those with I believe like Baltimore housing the Saints as like one of the very rare ones that have actually lost. Point is, teasers have been absolutely fine this season, but you just can't quit it because in a small sample size, it didn't work out for you. That goes for teasers. That goes for all bets. That goes for all sort of tailing people and all of this sort of stuff, right? You don't quit on it because it just had a rough uh, sort of streak here and teasers aren't a human being right they're not going to feel your pain they are purely a mathematical theory and the more sample size that you have the better sounds a lot like my guy from dragon's den who always famously says my money has no emotions that's a problem with you people <laughs> Bingo. I love that. Bingo. It's so good. It's one of my favorite lines, even though I don't rep that dude, but it's so funny when <laughs> the people come on Dragon's Den and he just says, that's his go-to line. When they come on with their sob story and they're crying, trying sure. to get money from him. It's yeah. like, that's your problem. My money has no emotions. Is it a good idea or not? Love it. Anyways, I know I've taken us off course far too many times on this podcast today, but it wouldn't be the On Blast podcast if we did it any other way, right? Yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Shell Alexander, on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. And of course, make sure you like and subscribe and follow the pod wherever you get your podcast. If you're watching this video somewhere or listening, bless us with a like. Bless us with the retweet. We appreciate all the support from everyone who listens to this pod, wherever you happen to be listening to this pod. And as I always say, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the On Blast Podcast, NFL Picks Edition, as always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. On Blast.